Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. All right, guys. So we're going to kick off a series, um, and it's going to be a, a four-message series, but because we do life groups and every other week, and I preach every other week, it's, it's going to be an eight-week series. That sounds really long, but uh, still going to be good. So anyway, um, let me tell you how I came up with this series. I'll introduce the series first. Is Monday, I got home, and I'm, I'm just kind of, or not home, to, to the office, rather. It's kind of like home. I'm sitting in my office, and I'm thinking, man, all right, I got to preach on, on Wednesday. What am I supposed to preach about? And uh, any of you have spiritual ADD? Like, I, I have spiritual ADD. I know, I know my man Josh is with me. Blake's with me on that. Everybody in here. So w- what that means is when I start trying to pray, it seems like I remember the laundry that I didn't fold. I got dishes I need to be washing. I mean, if I didn't do it, I'm going to remember it when I sit down and start praying. And so sometimes I get so frustrated with that. And so I'm sitting there. I'm like, Lord, come on, help me out. Help me out. You know, I got, I got a Wednesday night with anywhere between 50 and 60 fusion students. And it's an hour's time frame that I get to speak on something. What do you want me to talk about? Well, ADD starts kicking in. I start to get a little hungry. I don't know about you guys, but I eat like six times a day. So I'm thinking like, man, when's the next meal? And I look at my watch and I'm like, oh, man, another 30 minutes I'll be eating. And I brought my brought a little snack that day. And so, and then for whatever reason, that, that turned into during prayer and fasting, I ended up losing like 10 or 15 pounds during prayer and fasting. And that led to, man, when I was in high school, you know, prayer and fasting, I was 145. When I was in high school, I used to bodybuild in high school and I'd eat like tons of food all day, every day. And I weighed 185 in high school. And so like today I weigh 160. That's what I average today. And I was just thinking, golly, man, my friend Aaron, when he cuts weight, he'll cut weight to compete in mixed martial arts. He'll cut like 20 pounds in a matter of a month or two. And I started to think, man, we really are like that statement that saying you are what you eat is so true. And it's like God, it's almost like God knew that ADD moment was coming because he was like, and that's not just physically, Brady. <laughs> like, it's like, wow, that's true, Lord. You know, so I started thinking, yeah, you know, you are what you eat. And so that's the series that we're going to be doing. You are what you eat. And, you know, it got me thinking we're, we're a four-part being. Number, n- number one, we're, we're a mind. Number two, we're our body, soul, and spirit. That's four parts. So our mind is our thought life. Our body, obviously our physical body. Um, our soul is our emotions. And then our spirit you know, that's what that's what communes with God. That's what lasts forever, you know, as our spirit. And so that's what we'll discuss for the next eight weeks or so. But today we're going to start with today's message, what's on your mind? What's on your mind? And so I want to tackle that from a perspective of our thought life and how powerful our thoughts are. Y'all know your thoughts are powerful. I mean, they really do affect the trajectory of your life. Matter of fact, um, our thought lives are actually the most overlooked of all three of those. People are all spiritual these days, whether it's Christianity, Buddhism, something. That's like a fad now. You have to have some type of spirituality. You know, so people are mindful of that. Fitness, I mean, that's that's a big thing now. Everybody wants wants to be fit. Um, emotions. Man, we are a room, you know, full of young adults in here. 
this is a room of emotions right here, you know? And so that's on the forefront. But our thought life is always the last thing to be addressed. So that's why I wanted to address it first. I wanted to make this point that everything you see today started as a thought before it became a reality. Everything you see with your eyes at one time was a thought before it existed. Let me give you an example. We're sitting in here and you're looking at me. One day, my dad saw my mom and said, that's a pretty lady right there. And my mom saw my dad and said, that's a handsome guy. And so they got married and now you're looking at me. So I was a thought, right? Is that a good illustration? Um, So everything that's a thought becomes a reality. And let's look at Christopher Columbus. Everyone's heard of him before. Christopher Columbus. He was born in 1451. He was a businessman. A lot of people don't know that. He was a businessman, and he traveled a lot for business. It's not like he was some professional sailor or anything like that. He just had to travel from little little island to island or countryside to countryside via sailboat to do business. Um, but he had a fascination with, with geography, so like studying different land masses and maps and things and astrology. He loved history, and he loved his Bible. And so, um, you know, he'd often think about traveling to, to further places. So let's say he'd have to sail 10 miles to do business on Monday. On Tuesday, he's thinking, man, that was 10 miles. I wonder what 20 miles is like. What, what's going on 20 miles away? And he started to think along those lines. And then one day, he ran across a Bible verse. And that Bible verse is in Isaiah 40, verse 22. It reads, he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. And its peoples and his people are like grasshoppers. The circle of the earth. So Columbus started thinking, well, maybe the earth isn't flat. Maybe the earth is round. And so people in his day, the popular culture of that time, said, dude, you're crazy. The earth's flat. If you sail too far, you're going to fall off the earth and you're going to go into space, man. And Columbus was thinking, no, I, I really believe this earth is round. It says right here circle of the earth. So now we know that in 1492, he sailed the ocean blue, right? Y'all all learned that in school, 1492. So in 1492, he discovered America. Now, over 520 years later, we're standing here tonight. That's the power of a thought, if you think about it. Now, maybe somebody else could have thought about it and somebody else could have sailed. Then we'd be saying the same thing about them. But regardless, a thought got us here, right? And just like my mom and dad saw each other and I was a thought, so were you. So we're all here because of a thought life. One more example. Y'all hear me talk about my friend Aaron all the time. Um, You guys ever met him? He's pretty popular in these parts. I talk about him a lot. Um, So anyway, Aaron, um, he's going to be starting his own gym soon. But that started off as a thought. So when Aaron was seven years old, his mom had a thought to enlist him in Taekwondo. And, uh, and so she did. Now, he trained faithfully in Taekwondo from seven, really, until today he still does that. He's 26. But when he was 12 years old, um, he had a thought that he wanted to teach. And so he went to his, his coach, Mr. Daigle, and told him that. And Mr. Daigle said, well, I tell you what, my wife and I are going to be going on a cruise. And so I need somebody to watch the, watch the, the gym and, and teach some classes. And so he asked Aaron to teach at 12. And so he was a little nervous. You know, I mean, we're all older than 12. Would you take instructions from a 12-year-old kid? I mean, I'd be a little hesitant. 
And so like Aaron knew that. And so Aaron's thinking, man, I, I don't know if I can, if I can be up to that. So that was, that was a battle in his thoughts. You know, it was a battle in his thoughts, but he did. Mr. Dago and his wife went on a cruise and Aaron taught the classes. And that started a series of him teaching classes. From 12 years old until today, he started teaching classes. Okay, so at, at 15 years old, he was talking to Mr. Trahan and Mr. Dago, two of his coaches, and he said, you know, one day I'll, I think I want to open a gym. So they talked about it. They talked about how that would have to work out and just the details, but he started kind of chewing on that a little bit more. He kept training. He kept opening his, his resume, so to speak, expanding his resume on opening up his own gym. And in 2003, he started wrestling in high school, adding to his resume. In 2007, he started boxing and competed in amateur boxing. 2010, he started training in judo. In 2011, he took his first trip to Thailand to compete um, overseas. And by 2013, he had traveled to Thailand uh, for a third time, having competed three times overseas, and he's still undefeated today. In 2014, he competed on a world stage um, on a pay-per-view at UFC 173 in Las Vegas and also at a UFC fight night on Fox um, in Oklahoma. In 2015, he graduated from UL with his master's in business administration. And now here we are in 2016 and Aaron's starting his own gym in May. Isn't that cool? So it all started as a thought. 20 years ago, it was initiated by his mom's thought to put him in martial arts. And today, or 10 years ago, today was initiated. 10 years ago, he thought about doing, opening up his own school, and now that's coming to fruition. So you see, our thoughts are powerful. John Maxwell says this, he's a, and for those of you who don't know, he's, he's a best-selling author, he's a speaker, he pastored a really big church, and he's a leadership guru. I mean, all business owners, all leadership guys, uh, they look up to to John Maxwell, who's just a, a wealth of knowledge and wisdom. And he says this, your life today is a result of your thinking yesterday. Your life tomorrow is a result of your thinking today. Another person put it this way, change your thinking and you change your life. So these stories are encouraging. These quotes are really cool and, and they're really practical and they help us to to really shape our thoughts, you know, into a healthy direction, but they're not original. In other words, it's not new. This isn't new information. As a matter of fact, over a thousand years ago, Solomon wrote in Proverbs 23, verse 7, for as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And we know Solomon, like Solomon was the wisest guy. The Bible says the wisest man to ever live. And we talked about that in here before, not just the Bible, it's not just the Bible that says that. Other historical documents talk about the wealth of Solomon and how he really was one of the wealthiest guys to ever live by history, not just the Bible. And so the credibility is all around. So Solomon's the wisest guy. I want to listen to what that guy's got to say. So if he says, for as a man thinks, so he is, there's got to be some truth to that. So have I built my case about how important and how powerful your thought life is? All right. Great. Y'all awake? All right. Amen. Okay. Um, so first, in Romans 12, verse 2, let's look at that together. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve 
what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I'm going to break this down. Let's break this down together. We're going to break down two scriptures, and then we're going to implement that, right? So first, and in, in, start in verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. So right here we see that there's a natural pattern of life in this world. And we know that as like a secular worldview. And that's what Pastor Todd preached on at Students United, a secular worldview, right? That's the pattern of this world. So right here we learn, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Our minds are naturally inclined to agree with the secular or fleshly view of the world. Why? Because we're natural people. We're born naturally. We have a sin nature. We learned that. And that's why we have to be born again or become a Christian and be born spiritually so that we can have another way of thinking. But before we do that, we're natural. So worldly things are normal to us. An example would be, we don't have to try to sin. Like nobody in here has to say, hey, I'm good. Nobody in here has to say, um, man, I got to try to lie tomorrow. Or man, I, I got to try to hate people or dislike people. Or I got to try to gossip. Or, man, so difficult, but I really got to try to be lustful. You know, like, those are like taboo things to talk about, but it's true. Like, let's be real. We don't have to try to do those things. That's something that's part of our flesh, right? They naturally happen. And a secular worldview is this. A secular worldview is rooted in sin. It's rooted in sin. And I'm not saying this, guys, I don't want this to come out as like a a condemning hard message. I'm just being real. We got to be real. So the next verse, it says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we see here, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our mind needs to be transformed and renewed. That means that we're going to naturally think according to our flesh. Our fleshly desires are going to agree with the secular world, but we got to transform that. In Galatians Uh, chapter 5, verse 17, we read, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not want what you want. So here we also see everything that we've been saying, everything we've been seeing from the scripture is true. The spirit in us and the flesh in us, they battle one another. They battle one another. And it's a mental battle and a spiritual battle. Then we see, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the way we renew our minds is by testing things or comparing things to the word of God. And that last part, his good, pleasing, and perfect will the result of doing that is is finding out what what that will is. So we can literally take whatever we're going up against and measure that to the word of God to find out what's his will in this situation or in this circumstance or when such and such says this, what does God think about that? Or when I think this, what does God think about that? Or if I feel this, am I supposed to feel that way? I can't deny the feelings real. But is it lining up with the word of God or is it not? Right? Y'all following? The next scripture um, that we're going to go over is 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 5. It says, we demolish, whoa, we demolish arguments and every pretension 
that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's a boss verse right there. We demolish, that's intense, right? Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, take an ownership, right? That's a boss statement. And make it obedient to Christ. So when we demolish or destroy every argument, every thought that comes to our mind, what does that look like? We'll talk about that practically. Take, ev- take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. It's empowering. It shows us that we have authority. We're not victims. We're not walking around saying, oh my goodness, it's, it's so tempting. I just, I can't resist. Huh. That's not true. The Bible says that we can resist. We're not victims. We're powerful in Christ. Is that making sense, guys? We're powerful in Christ. We can take it. If it tells us to do it, we'll be empowered to do it. Amen? So we're to take every bad and untrue thought captive and make our minds and thoughts obedient and in line with Christ in two ways, by his word and by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So those two ways, we we can measure things up to the word of God and we can measure things up by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do for the rest of this time is I want to look at some of the biggest influences um, of our thought life today, and that's pop culture, right? So that's, that's music, that's TV, that's, that's all that stuff. And so we're going to take those two verses, we're going to sum them up real quick, and then we're going to apply them to some practical common things. Cool? All right. So Let's look at those two verses. Let's combine that. If we put that into steps, we would say if we combine the Romans and 2 Corinthians, what we just read, step one would be let's look at examples of patterns of this world today. And in this case, it's going to be pop culture. Step two would be let's measure that or test it against the word of God. Step three would be let's take captive or control of every thought that doesn't line up with the word of God. And step four would be, we need to renew our minds or align our thoughts with what God says about that subject or that area. Follow? So if if Eminem or if Kanye West or any of these other guys say something, man, that's cool, but it just ain't lining up with the word of God, right? Or if there's this TV show on, on TV and it's just totally not biblical, well, that's cool, but it's just... Hey, don't line up with the word of God, right? So I'm going to do that. Now, I'm going to pick music and TV. And because of time constraints, I'm only going to do one song and I'm going to do one TV show. And really the way I came up with this, with the song, I went on iTunes and Billboard Top 100, or Top 100, and I went to the top 10. I didn't read all 100. but uh, And I picked a, it was hard to pick a song, but I went through like the top 10 on iTunes and the top 10 on Billboard, they weren't the same. And um, I just read the lyrics of a lot of them. And I think there's probably two that I'd be able to read the lyrics up here. And the rest of them, I couldn't do it. I'd be like, oh, man, I'd probably get in trouble for saying that from the pulpit. But so one of them um, I did pick, and I'll get to that in a second. But I want to say this real quick. You might be, and well, let me let me preface it. I don't believe in in, in preaching convictions really hard. Here's what I mean by that. I don't necessarily believe in getting up here and telling you how you should feel about this subject or how you should feel about this subject. 
what I do believe in, though, is, is teaching you what the Bible says about it. And if you are saved, then you know the Holy Spirit. And if you know the Holy Spirit, he'll tell you what to do. How's that sound? Because if I give you the lessons that I've learned and the things that the Holy Spirit has taught me, and I throw that on you, you can listen and be obedient, but you're not doing it out of your own conviction. You're just following the rules that I put on you, right? And God is a relational God. He wants to show you those things. So I don't want to get up here and, and come at it from that angle. Is that cool, guys? I, that's what I don't want to, you to take away from this. But again, I want to show you why I'm being adamant about little bitty things like this. So you might say, Brady, really? Like, we're, we're talking about the mind and you're talking about songs. I mean, I listen to those songs. Like, I watch those TV shows. It's not a big deal. I'm not doing the things that it says in those songs. And I'm not doing the things that I see in those TV shows and those movies and, and stuff like that. But my response would be, don't be so sure about that. Don't be so sure that you're not doing those things or that you're not on a path to do those things. Right? I don't know if you've ever heard of this. Um, but in school, I learned about this, this theory called the theory of conditioning, Pavlo. Some of you might, have, might be in that right now. But Pavlo's got this theory. It's a theory of conditioning. And that would say that you're wrong if you think by listening to those things or watching those things that you're not affected by those things. Because subconsciously, you are affected by those things. So am I. And so I'll give you some examples of that in a second. But the example of the theory of conditioning. So Pavlo is a social scientist. And here's the experiment that he set up. He put some, some food in a bowl, and when the dogs would eat it, he'd ring a bell. And he, he did that a couple times. And then before putting the bowl of food out and letting the dog know it was there, he'd ring that bell, and the dog would run to the food. And then pretty soon, he'd start to notice that the dog would start to salivate before it even left where it was to go to the food. Like he was, that, that bell got him ready to eat just by ringing a little bell. And then he went through other steps of not putting food in the bowl and the dog would still run there and salivate and his mouth would water. And then he went to another step of not even putting a bowl and just ringing a bell. And the dog would at one point even sit where he's at and his mouth would start watering. And see, that just subconsciously, he, would, he was conditioned to respond a certain way to a bell ringing, right? And it's just a dog. Another example is, if you live on a busy street, and, and this is another, another example of conditioning, you know, if somebody moves, let's say on the, on, on the highway, on Ambassador Caffrey, you know that subdivision on Ambassador Caffrey? Those people that live right there, the first time they moved right there, gosh, that had to be so loud. You had to constantly hear cars passing. But eventually, they won't even notice the sound of the cars. Why? Because they're conditioned. They're numb to it. And they just get conditioned. That becomes the norm for them, right? And so that's what I want to talk about when it, be, when it comes to our music. I'm going to talk about myself. I'm going to humble myself before you. So i got a Pandora account. And, man, I've been having that account for 10 years or ever since Pandora came out. And there's a lot of stuff on it from way before I got saved. And when I used to box and, com and competitively, I remember one time, I was, I was in a training camp with a guy who was competing, and, and, and we, were, we were all sparring. And I, I just remember this 50 Cent song. And one, some of the words of the song go like, if I can't do it, homie, it can't be done. 
And I remember that song playing, If I Can't Do It Home, It Can't Be Done. So I remember hearing that and I remember thinking, oh, man, just feeling that song. And I forgot about it. Well, I'm running the other day and for somehow if you shake your phone or something, it'll shuffle. I don't know if you guys probably know how to do all that, but it, it, it'll shuffle your Pandora. And I still got 50 Cent Radio on my Pandora. I don't typically use it, but it was on there and it shuffled to that. And guess what came on? If I can't do it, homie, it can't be done. And so I'm going about my day later on and that song is just ringing in my head, ringing in my head. And, and I start going back to this place of it's all on me. It's all on me. It's all on me. It's all on me. And that combats when God says, my grace is sufficient for you. And you know, God, when his, God has a purpose and a will for your life. Now, I believe in being confident in yourself. I believe in self-confidence, but I don't believe in letting that take the place of God's will in your life and God's grace in your life. And what I mean by that is this. I don't want to get on a rabbit trail, but when God calls you to do something, he's going to call you to do something that's impossible for you to do. Like, I can't get up here and preach without the anointing of God. I can't come up with a sermon without God helping me with that. And if I do, it falls flat every time. I need the grace of God. And so if I listen to stuff that tells me, if I can't do it, homie, it can't be done, and I'm trying to operate in what God's calling me to do, I'm going to fail. So I got to be careful of filling my mind with that. Does that make sense? Are you guys ready to hear the song that I picked? All right. Selena Gomez, Hands to Myself. Who, who, who knows that song? Raise your hand. It's all right. Let's be real. You can't go eat at Buffalo Wild Wings and not hear it. It's all right. I'm not going to be like, oh, I knew you was listening to that. Okay. One more time. Who knows that song? I know the song. Okay. Hands to Myself by Selena Gomez. Now, I'm not going to read the lyrics to you because that would be really awkward because there's a lot of stuff in that song that's like, man, no, no, we're not going to play it. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. But I'm going to sum some of it up for you. How about that? All right, so here's the summary of the song. The girl can't keep her hands to herself. So much that she says it over 10 times in the song. Now, as silly as that sounds, this is the reality of what this girl's talking about. She's talking about lusting over some guy and having a hard time resisting him. And now earlier when I said we don't have to try to sin and, and the secular world tells us one thing and we don't have to try to lie or hate. When I said lust, everybody was like, don't talk about that from the from the best. So awkward. But we're cool with listening to someone sing about it. See, we're influenced by our culture and that's fine. But if we talk about it from the pulpit, that's awkward. It shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. So this is what I want to talk about. She's, a, she's lusting over some guy and having a hard time resisting. At, at some point, she even admits, I could resist, but why would I want to? She says that. And then she ends up talking about what she wants to do with the guy and, you know, all this type of stuff. And so let's address this. Let's address this. Let's, let's do what we learned in the first part of this message, and let's measure that up with the Word of God. Well, Brady, I don't do those things, and I mean, I listen to it, but it's really not that big a deal. Well, according to Pavlo's theory of conditioning, you're affected whether you realize it or not. I mean, people are affected by a bell ringing. When a doorbell rings, what do you do? You go to the door. When your phone rings, what do you do? You pick your phone up. I mean, nobody says, hey, pick your phone up. You just do it because you know that's what a ring means. And so when you hear this, 
you start to think about that, and it just happens. It just happens. Again, I'm not preaching conviction. The Holy Spirit will deal with you on that stuff. But I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. So I can't keep my hands to myself. Okay, well, what's the Bible say? Ephesians 5, chapter 5, verse 3. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Now, disclaimer, if you don't consider yourself one of God's holy people, if you don't say, hey, I'm saved, I gave my life to Christ, then this verse doesn't hold any any power or relevance to you. But if you're a Christian, then it does. And there's no way around it. There's no denial that those feelings she's talking about are real feelings. But there's a time and a place for that. And the Bible also says when we compare that song to the Bible, that's in marriage, right? Y'all with me? Okay, so in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 9, she says, I can't keep my hands to myself. Verse 9 says, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So in real life, if I was having a, a discussion with Selena and she came to me as a pastor and said, hey, pastor, I can't keep my hands to myself. What should I do? I'd tell her, number one, I'd tell her, number one, get married. Or, yes, you can keep your hands to yourself. Right? That's what I'd say. You see, here's the reality, guys. You can't take a bunch of sinful behavior, write it into a song, put a fresh beat on it, make it popular, and then assume it's all okay. Because it's not okay. (laughs) It doesn't matter how popular it is. God don't care about popularity. He does not care what people say is cool. His word don't change. It's still the same. Let's do one more example. Uh, the, The other example is a TV show called Modern Family. Now, you know what? Let me back up. Let me pause. If there's somebody in here who, when you hear that song, I don't want you to feel condemned if you ever didn't, you know, keep your hands to yourself. God can, God can heal that. You know what I'm saying? I know it's funny, but God can heal that. God can restore that. God can forgive that. So if you're sitting in here while everybody else is chuckling, I don't want you to be like, well, man, that's horrible for me. You know what I'm saying? I want to address that before I move on. So anyway, back to the, the modern family. So the show's about what society calls a modern family, right? Um, and this is where there are some family units, and one of them is a gay couple, two guys who adopt a little girl. Now, again, everybody in, the, in here is nice. They're all nice people. Um, they're not hateful. You know, it's, it's not like these are bad people. But let's not measure this stuff up with society and what's culturally okay or what the government says is okay or because that's not what we're to do as Christians. Y'all understand? So let's measure it up with the word of God says. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28, then God said, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, God created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, 
Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God's intent was from the start. He he made it clear. He said it, it, it takes a man and a woman, number one, to fully represent the image of God. What do I mean by that? Men are known to be they known to have certain attributes that are different than women by nature. Psychiatrists will tell you that. Men are, are, are they even have a higher word count per day typically than or, or a lower word count per day typically than women. Women typically will, will talk more during a day than men do. Women are usually more in touch with emotion than men are. And this is not a biblical, just a biblical fact. This is a psychological and a, a psychological fact. And so there's a difference, but it takes up both of those things to see the fullness of God. See, God made them male and female. He created them. The second, God created male and female. And the first thing he tells them to do, the very first thing God tells them to do is be fruitful and multiply. In other words, start a family. So you see, an old school family, Old Testament family, a New Testament family, a today family, today's family and all those families, they all the same. There's no such thing as a modern family. The family unit was designed by God. And we have to measure that up with the word of God. Some of you guys look like you're confused about that. Like you're kind of looking at me like that's not right. That's right. That's the word of God. And secular music and pop culture might not be telling you that. And I'm not trying to condemn you, but it's the truth. All right. Thousands of years later, after God said this in Genesis, we read Jesus saying this, Matthew 19, verse 4 and 5. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. See, God never changed his mind about that, and he's not going to change his mind about that. It doesn't matter how much we protest that, just like it doesn't matter how much we protest keeping our hands to ourselves before we get married. You know, sin is sin, and God sees sin as sin. It's not like, well, that sin's way worse than this sin. Sin is sin. Y'all follow? So sin is sin. Now, it does go on to say in the Bible that sexual immorality occurs inside of a body while all other sin occurs outside of a body. That's the differentiation in sin. But, so right here, God doesn't change his mind. Exodus 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man, that's a lowercase s on son, a son of man, that's like just regular people, that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? You see, these little things like music and TV may not be that big of a deal, but they're so subtle that little by little they'll start to become the norm. Like little by little, these little subtle changes. Well, Man, I hear it in music all the time. Or I see it on TV shows all the time. And I'm going to college and they saying, oh, this is cool. And all my friends are saying this is, this is cool. And so, but that's that's not what the Word of God says, and that's what pop culture... You remember we talked about the difference in our flesh and our sin nature and how they combat against one another? And so 
If we start to consider those things truth rather than the Bible, we start to do things in a secular way and not God's way. Um, And, you know, there's no difference in that case between the dogs and us. You know, it's like the dogs are responding to the ringing of a bell. We're responding to the leading of society, you know. And so that's why it's so important that we become more familiar with the word of God, that we have more influence from the word of God, whether that be through reading our word, through talking with the Lord, through coming to church and listening to teaching about the word of God. If we don't take more of that in, then we're willing to feed ourselves with the other things, then we're going to lean in one direction more than the other. Does that make sense, guys? And so what should we do instead? What should we do? So I talked about the stuff not to do, but in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, we read this. It says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, let me say one more thing as I close this letter and as I close this message. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Let's stand. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. I'm going to read that verse that I just read, Philippians, um, one more time. But before I do that, I want everybody, I want you to close your eyes. It's not about the person next to you. I want you to get alone with the Lord. And let's do some examining. We all have to do this. The Bible says that all fall short of the glory of God. All fall short of God's glorious standard. You know, God doesn't put rules in the Bible. He doesn't put stipulations in the Bible because he doesn't want you to enjoy your life. He does these things because he knows what will result in the most fulfilling feeling in your life. He knows that, man, if you settle for this lesser thing, you'll never inherit and you'll never receive what I have fully for you. And we can't always comprehend that on the front end, but he'll always deliver on the back end. So with all your eyes closed, be still. I want you to think about the questions I'm going to ask you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit before I start asking these questions to just start working on your mind. I just right now, with my eyes are closed. I want you to close yours. And let's just say, you know, Holy Spirit, God, we know that you're a God who is not far off. You're a God who is a part of us. You're a God who lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. He communes with you. He teaches you. Holy Spirit, we want you to teach us. We want you to convict us. Now, God, we know that there's a difference in conviction and condemnation. Condemnation says we're doing something wrong or we're thinking something wrong and there's no way out. That's the devil that says that. That's not God. God says with conviction, hey, I'm just alerting you to this. This is what's not right in your life. This is not what's measuring up to my word and and my standard, but I can help you with that. See, that's the voice of God. It's a voice of hope. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convict everybody in this room. Just show people, reveal people, highlight to people what it is, what the answers to these questions that I'm going to ask. What is the Lord revealing to you? Right now, before I even ask a question, something's coming to your mind right now. 
I want you to make a mental note about that because whatever that is, people say, how do you hear from God? This is how, right here. How do you hear from God? You're hearing from God right now. What is he putting on your mind? Don't justify that away. Don't explain it away. Don't say, no, that's just my thoughts. No, no, no. This is sanctified time. This is holy time. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. That's not your thoughts. What is the Holy Spirit putting on your mind right now after you've heard this message? Second question, what are some thoughts that you need to take captive tonight? What are some thoughts that the Holy Spirit is showing you that you need to take control of? They're not in line with, with, with the Word of God, which means they're not in line with God's purpose for your life, which means they're hindering you from fulfilling what God has put you on the earth for which is the most fulfilling thing for you. Christ came and died so that you would have life and have it to the full. Having life to the full comes from doing what you were created to do. So those things, what, is, what are some thoughts you need to take captive of? Next question, what are some things that are having a negative influence on your mind? A negative influence on your mind. What's weighing you down? What are some lies? Think about that. Now let's pray and let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us take those those thoughts captive and let's line those things up with the Holy Spirit's will, with God's will, with the Word of God. I'm going to pray over you. Now when I'm praying, I want you to be praying too. You don't have to pray out loud. I just want you to pray to yourself with those things in mind. Let me tell you something. On the other side of this prayer, there's deliverance. There's truth. There's healing. There's everything available. Don't let a distraction take away from your prayer time this is about you and God it ain't about me it's about you and God so when I'm praying you pray Holy Spirit you showed everybody in this room including myself thoughts that are keeping me from receiving that that full life that you have for me God now Lord your word comes with a promise you tell us that that we need to take our thoughts captive and God we come to you and say all right we agree Here are some thoughts, Holy Spirit, that you've shown us. You've shown everybody in this room. And we need to take them captive. God, we want to demolish those thoughts. We want to knock those thoughts out. And we want to replace them with good thoughts. God, your word says to think about things that are true and honorable and right. God, we want to replace those thoughts, those bad thoughts, with good thoughts. God, we want to be in alignment with what your word says. We don't want a secular worldview. We want a big biblical worldview. It's in Jesus' name that we pray that. Now, before we we open our eyes, before we go, one last thing. I want to leave here on a good note. I want to leave here on an up note. Now, before I go any further, when we just pray, when we just close our eyes and ask the Lord to show us something, this isn't just a one-time exercise. This has to be a daily thing. Tonight's message was was really my hope and prayer that tonight's message was really just bringing something up, showing you guys two places in Scripture on how how to measure things against the Word of God and then empowering you to do it yourself. That's what I want. And so let's leave here on a high note, but I want you to know that whatever the Holy Spirit revealed to you in your mind, whatever He showed you and whatever you asked Him to replace... He will do it. God is faithful. He will do it. 
You have to continue to walk that out with him, though. Bring that to him daily. Now, on that high note, Philippians 4, 8. Well, I'm going to read that again. Close your eyes still. Think about this as I read it. And now, dear brothers and sisters, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Holy Spirit, as I read that scripture, I want you to make something come alive in every person in here. I want you to bring something to their mind that's true, that's honorable, that's right, that's pure and lovely and admirable, that's excellent and worthy of praise. God, you're a mighty God. You cast down strongholds, you cast down bad thoughts, and you replace them with all the things that I've named. Now, God, I pray that it not just stop here, God. I pray that those pure, lovely, admirable thoughts, excellent and worthy of praise thoughts, would continue to follow them out of this room. Lord, I encourage conversation by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that, Lord, everybody in this room would want to talk about the message tonight. God, I pray that people would feel comfortable with one another in community and fellowship, that they would want to share, hey, here's a thought I had to take captive to be real with you, and here's what God showed me. God, that's what we are in the body of Christ, is people who hold each other accountable and people who say, hey, it's all right. I had a thought that didn't line up with the Word of God. I was influenced by something that wasn't the Word of God that was secular, but I took it captive. The Holy Spirit gave me the power to take it captive, and I got it right. And here's what the Lord showed me. Lord, that's what I pray becomes a reality infusion. Now, God, before we, before we break, I just want to pray over everybody individually. I pray, God, that if the enemy would try to come with condemnation, I break that right now in Jesus' name. That, that's not allowed. It's not allowed to your children. God, I break it in Jesus' name. And I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would convict, but you do it in the way that you always do, in a loving, in a, in a, in a good fathering a good loving way and your conviction always brings hope and your conviction leads to hope that hope leads to change and God I thank you that that you're changing things that need changing Lord now I pray your hand of protection over everybody in this room Lord I pray that the rest of everybody's week that you'd protect them God I pray that you'd give them favor God that you bless their week, God, that they would be a blessing to other people. God, I pray over all the, all the students that when they encounter people, that people encounter you, that they encounter a joy that they can't explain, that they encounter a peace that they can't explain. I pray it leads to conversations about why are you, why are you that way? I hope that that leads to glorifying you. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now look, we're going to have some altar workers up here. If you want some prayer, if you want to stand with somebody uh, for prayer, come on up. If not, you're free to go. It's always a, a privilege and a pleasure to be able to preach up here. And I love you guys. See you next time. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram.